More shows on sale on my goddamn website. Perth's on sale. Adelaide's on sale. Melbourne just went on sale. Uh, go find it. Go book tickets. I'll be coming to somewhere near you in Australia in the next few months. But more importantly, let's talk about New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet admitting that he dressed as a Nazi without any proof. Pixar, it didn't happen, bro. Uh, then let's talk. What are we doing? We're talking not drinking as my sobriety returns for the new year and a little bit of the social contract, helping someone move, debt repayment, not like physical debt, emotional debt, moral debt. How do you show to someone that you appreciated something they did for you and how shouldn't you do it? We're about to get there, but first, you know who it is. It's Verticoli. Welcome to the Daniel Muggleton Podcast. It's me. I'm Daniel Muggleton. I'm the guy. Thanks for coming back. That's right. Two weeks consecutively. Uh, this podcast is released on time on Monday morning, 5 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Sydney time, because that's where I am. That's when it comes out. Do people want to know when it comes out with that level of specificity? I don't know. I don't even know if it happens globally. I just got burnt uh, this week because my, my good friend Adam Rowe, off the uh, incredibly popular Have a Word podcast, just put a comedy special out on YouTube. Uh, definitely go check that out. Adam is hilarious. He's from Liverpool in the UK. Uh, and it was out January 11th. And I woke up January 11th and I was like, hey, I got a, I got a pretty cruisy day. Let's have a crack at this. Let's have a watch. And it was January 11th UK time. So I guess I can go fuck myself. It was just... I, I, got, I got a thing about time zones and... Maybe it's just because uh, during during the pandemic, I worked in several different time zones because I was doing comedy gigs online in the US a lot of the time, in Australia some of the time, and in the UK very occasionally. I was doing I was doing stand up comedy in all three. I still don't know whether I did anything wrong legally. I'm trying to figure that out because like I did the work in Australia. I certainly wasn't working in either of those other two countries where I am not allowed to work legally. But at the same time, it was like being broadcast into that. Is this, is this one of those things where like the technology kind of leaps ahead of the law? So nobody really knows what's legal and isn't legal. Like just kind of, it was, it was just such a weird jump. Just suddenly everything was online and we were kind of streaming. It's just like, well, you were streaming from that country. So I guess that's where you're working, even though the work's being received somewhere else. I just, I think about that, like, you know, crypto, can we all, can we all just kind of agree now that crypto was the scam that you kind of thought it was in the back of your head before your stoner mates made a fucking dollar off it. And you're like, shit, am I an idiot? Is the, is the guy who learned how to use the dark web to order like a specific American strain of weed, the fucking smart guy. And I'm the dumb cunt because I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is going to fall over. And now that it's falling over, 
and essentially everyone's getting screwed. <laughs> like, should we just admit that it was like, yeah, we really, that kind of took us a bit by surprise there and we didn't regulate things quickly enough. Is that is that what that was? I don't know. I don't want to get into too much detail because I definitely want to get uh, old mate Tim Doyle back on to talk about just the, the sheer collapse of um, old mate Sam Bankman-Freud and whatever. Is it FTX? Is that what it was? Just the one... <laughs> just the one that was kind of like I don't want to call it like you know the you know the movie like Revenge of the Nerds where like in the 70s like a nerd's revenge is essentially bullying jocks and uh spying on women in some kind of perverted way that is definitely overlooked <laughs> as part of like the male nerd genre just like a lot of it was just spying on women. That seemed to be a big part of it. Um, we just kind of moved on now. So it's like Sam Bankman, Freud, fraud, whatever, something in there. Um, SBF, uh, just a guy who exploited like an international arbitrage thing. Like, you know, not, not something that requires, like something that requires a lot of organization. You got to see the opportunity and blah, 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 blah. But then he makes a lot of money. A lot of other people would like to make a lot of money without trying to do anything at all. And they chuck, they chuck some money in. All the other investors are like, well, I don't want to miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And then he's just in the Bahamas sucking and fucking other nerds in like a polycule? A polycube. Some kind of polygamous relationship. Just... What has to be just like an HR department's absolute worst nightmare. Just a harem. A harem involving both the CEO and like the CFO. Like <laughs> just something that you just can't possibly bring down in any kind of within the, the company's constitution type levels. And like they took all the money, the balance books were never really filled in and just here you are. And surely that's just, you know, that's not quite as good at as lingering in an air vent above like you know the co-ed's changing room so you can kind of smell women for the first time but you know it's it's thereabouts right <laughs> just this guy making like literally billions of dollars and getting athletes to hang out with him and seeming all important and he's just like man i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with all this money hey i'm just going to i'm just going to wait this out in the bahamas it it, say, it seems like if the the video for wasn't made by Shaggy had one of those to be continued, which was like quite popular in nineties hip hop. It's just like Sam Bankman from a B in like part two of the video, just kind of near Shaggy's house being like, Hey, it wasn't me either. You know, let's not, let's not jump to conclusions here. But oh, what was that? What was I saying? I'm, I apologize to come to you so late. I'll be honest that the reason is um, it's hot. It's hot in Australia at the moment. And to, to record this, I go into a, just air an airless kind of dungeon there's some there's some noise cancelling foam on the walls like you've seen uh from su substantially more professional podcasts than this one and i just kind of come in here and just sweat just that that australian summer sweat where being stationary isn't enough it's 10 to 12 like it's almost midnight and it is still just stationary sweating. I'm like, I'm not even a sweaty guy. Like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to put that brag out there on the air. But I'm just not a dude who sweats. Like, not in the, not in the Prince Andrew, 
kind of like I'm going to make this an incredibly important and terrifying part of my personality. Uh, but yeah, just not much of a sweater. But here I am, 10 to 12, just just what just feeling liquid vacate my body. Like I feel like the Australian summer is when you can wake up with what appears to be a hangover that is just purely, you know, an ill-thought-out use of a doona. <laughs> just, you've got the doona on the bed from winter, it's kind of ticked over to spring, and you're like, ah, I'll need it sometime, so you leave it on, and then, you know, you just kind of slide into bed, tug it up slightly too far, and then you just come out dehydrated, like come out there needing a hydrolyte just to function, like just that kind of, you know, Dave Warner sitting on the chair after he got the double hundred at the MCG. Just just a man in a state of infinite fatigue. No amount of handmaidens could possibly, or handmade men's? I don't know what the male... Is it just a hand... No, it's a maiden. A maiden's a lady. So like a handmade man... A handmade man? That kind of sounds like fucking Pinocchio. <laughs> Just this puppet that was literally handmade and therefore now it's up to life. A male version of a handmaiden. Is that, is that just a servant? But I thought servant was gender neutral. What? Handmaid. What's the opposite of a maid? Like, I thought a maiden was just kind of like a, a, a enticing lady like from the past. <laughs> Not currently. Like this ain't any like top forty rap video. Like yeah, a bunch of a bunch of real hot maidens uh, going around going around that. But there's got to be a male equivalent term for a maiden. Can I look that up? Can that be the the first thing? Um, male equivalent of a maiden. Googling mid pot. Is that is that something where you guys like sitting there? I love that the autofill male equivalent of Karen. If you wanted, if you wanted to know where the where the world's at at a place, it's like, yeah, I need a male equivalent of a Karen because I'm just going to light somebody up on social media. I've taken a photo of a stranger doing something a bit cunty, and I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna take them to task. Uh, male equivalent of a maiden. That's what we're doing uh, for the Americans who do listen to this. A maiden is a cricket term, uh, and it means an over where nobody scores any runs. There you go. The cricket chat continues. I just feel that like. Australia gets such a drip down of both American and British culture that it's about time that we kind of explain what goes on over here and not just in like, yeah, there are fucking snakes, mate. Ooh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, don't bother him. He seems, he seems upset. Uh, I was right. It's a bachelor. Because, yeah, a maiden is just an, a young woman who isn't married and a bachelor who isn't married. Is that, yeah, bachelor. There you go. But I feel like the bat, like, I think you can definitely... Surely you can age out of being a maiden. Like, I don't... <laughs> like, yeah. Like, some, if, if it was, was kind of Pokemon rules, I'd say a maiden would then evolve into a cougar. Like, that would be step two of the, of the maiden. Um, whereas a bachelor is just kind of, you know, the same throughout. It doesn't evolve at all. Kind of like a, a Electabuzz, you know? It's just like, that's the... That's it. You can get an Electabuzz level one and Electabuzz level 99, whatever. It's still Electabuzz. That's the bachelor and a maiden, you know, once it reaches a certain, certain age, you got to, you got to say, because you can't have like a, like, well, like a 50 year old maiden. That just seems, that just seems wrong. Um, how 
the hell did we get there? But I felt good. I felt good looking something up and then telling you. That was a level of closure I think we've been lacking on the podcast previously. And I hope, you know, if you were sitting in the car yelling at me, uh, you know, either what the equivalent was, which was a bachelor, or just to move on, uh, that you feel a deep sense of satisfaction now that we've crossed that bridge together. Um, but yes, how are we on that? We're talking about crypto somehow. I think that's generally been my experience with crypto. Every time it comes up, it comes up and I'm upset that it's been brought up. But then somehow it's probably linked back. Like I have participated in the conversation and that's not great either. But I mean, look, it hasn't been a huge week for me. Um, I've just been, I've been trying to work up some material because, you know, the Australian festival season is about to commence. I head over to Perth on Friday. It's my first time doing Perth Fringe World. That's their kind of fringe festival out in Perth. Uh, the difference between a fringe festival and a comedy festival is uh, that there are burlesque and magicians and mainly circus. It's quite funny because generally at a comedy festival, it's just comedians. There'll be the occasional comedy magician and then maybe like some kids performers rounding it out. Occasionally you get like a, a burlesque comedy type thing, but like it's, it's very stand-up centric. Whereas like the fringe, um, it's, you know, there are stand-up shows and there's like a lot of them obviously, but the bigger shows aren't stand-up. Like it's always circus, which is disappointing because, you know, they're just doing fucking handstands or whatever. Uh, whereas I have to come up with ways to think things and then convey those thoughts to others. Like, you know, is balance being able to stand on your hands for five minutes or is it being able to present uh, quite a left-wing point of view in a way that makes right-wing people not think you're a pussy, you know? Like, is it is it a way to actually say quite progressive things uh, while sounding like a racist piece of shit or is it standing on a fucking ball like they can teach elephants to do, you know? <laughs> not being resentful of course of the beautifully talented circus performers uh who you know are really only impressive under the influence of mushrooms but just not the message i'm trying to convey i'm trying to get jokes together i'm doing i'm doing open mics i'm popping up i whip out a different colored tracksuit for the open mics it's it's very funny because people there are like, oh, you got the you got the blue one. Is that because, you know, new year, new color? And I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, it's because I'm not taking this gig seriously and would hate to be associated with it professionally. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, so if you ever see me pop on a lineup wearing blue, fucking lower those expectations, champions. Uh, it is not going to be my best work. Um, but look, that is not nearly... That is not nearly... Uh, the biggest uh, outfit news out of Australia or even New South Wales this week because, um, look, I'm just going to come out and say it. Our Premier, Dominic Perrottet, has come out and said that he wore a Nazi uniform to a fancy dress party once. That's what he said, unaccompanied by a picture of him in the uniform. Which... Look, I'm going to say this might make me sound cynical, but I think everyone with any 
type of understanding of politics knows that he has recently been threatened with the publication of this picture and that's why he's trying to get out in front of it uh, because it's a lot harder to say that you're not a Nazi sympathizer when people can literally see you dressed as a Nazi. Now we have to imagine, which, you know, he's a very tall white man with lots of children. Not a difficult stretch. (laughs) Not a hard thing to picture him in a fucking bit of a trench coat. Maybe like one of those, you know, like the Berlin jackets that got pretty cool. Like they got the German flag on one of the shoulders. Like they're kind of a tan color. They're a bit thick for winter. And then it's just got a swastika on one side. I got to assume the swastika was part of it. I don't know if he's kind of admitted that. But I think if there was any way just for him to pass it off as like kind of like a film noir piece, but very blonde, probably too, a bit anti-Semitic, very blonde. Like if there was any way to pass that off, uh, he would not be making this preemptive announcement. Whenever a politician makes a preemptive announcement, they know they're fucked. Now, the fun part about this story there's a, few, there's a few angles that I consider pretty enjoyable. Number one, I just never would have picked an Australian prime minister to wear a Nazi uniform. Uh, that seems like something much more appropriate for the British royal family uh, because, you know, when your grandfather was a Nazi, uh, it's probably less of a stretch to think it might be. It might have been lying around the house. I don't know. I don't know where Harry got his fucking uniform. <laughs> Maybe it was Prince Philip. I don't know. It could have just been laid in the back thing. Like, ah, fuck, there's a dress-up party. Oh, shit. Is that a Nazi uniform? (sighs) Seems like... Fuck it. Like, I'm probably roughly the same size. I mean, he's my granddad. Fuck it. Let's go. Um, So, it just... I just... Look, maybe this this is a rose-tinted view um, of Australia, but I just just don't think anti-Semitism is our thing. Like... We're racist in a much broader sense. Like Jewish people are just not really part of that narrative, you know? Like we're really trying very hard uh, to just not keep it under wraps, but just kind of slightly ignore the fact that this country belongs to black people. And then at the same time that it's located in Asia, you know, like we're devoted to those. Like Jewish people just aren't really part of that narrative in that way. And also like... I'll never forget when Justin Trudeau uh, had those pictures come out of him wearing blackface to a party. Not just because he then came out and said, like, he wasn't sure how many times he'd done that. (laughs) You know, like, that's just the worst possible quantity for any kind of wrongdoing. When you're unsure how many. Like when it could like give or take the number of times I blacked up and went to a party. Um, I was, I just remember that I was in the UK when that happened and when it was like prime minister court wearing blackface, I was like, that is absolutely an Australian fucking lock that in. Like that is an unbackable favorite. Like, of course us. I mean, which one? Like I wouldn't even, there's only like two or three prime ministers. I, I would think hadn't at any point worn blackface, but it was, it was Canadian. It's so bizarre. Like just, I mean, I don't want to say I'd expect them to be anti-Semitic because I just don't really know them that well. But to, to, black, to black up 
and have it come out publicly, I would have locked in Australia. Like, you got to remember, in Australia, we're a country where we had blackface on TV, I think twice in my teenage years. Like, recently. Like, I'm talking... I'm talking like iPhone 4 onwards. Like that was the level of technology we were at when blackface was just happening in Australia. Like a few times. Like there was the one on Hey Hey It's Saturday where it's like a gong show and it's just like a contestant on the gong show like dressed up as Michael Jackson. Problematic for entirely different reasons because uh, it was a family show. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, blacked up for that. And there was an American guest on who was like, what the fuck is this? And we were like, oh, and then we canceled that. But then like uh, Chris Lilly uh, was was um, being an Islander and certainly dressed as an Islander uh, called Jonah, Jonah Tekalua. I think that was the name of the character for Summer Heights High and like its own kind of spinoff. And then there was like another one after that, which was set in America where he was like again, uh, in blackface is like a rapper called Smouse, I think. I don't... Uh, I feel like I would be better at this if I had a better working knowledge of Australian TV. I have a fucking watertight knowledge of Australian racism. That's one of my passion projects. But yeah, I'm just... Uh, and I think there was another one. I, oh, but that one... Look, I don't, I don't, I don't claim nor profess to be an expert on the exact blackface parameters. But this one was a documentary and it was John Safran. And I think he was trying to infiltrate various kind of groups around the world. And one of them was uh, like a, like, I don't know if it was like a black power group, but something in some kind of, you know, African-Americans only group, right? That was the idea. And so he blacked up to get, that sounds worse. <laughs> now that I say that out loud, like at first I was like, it's a documentary. He's doing what he needs to do in order to access the information uh, to, you know, present the arguments in the documentary. But that's it. Like that's not, that's not inappropriately portraying a fictional black person. That is inappropriately portraying an actual black person in order to trick other actual black people. Was that like all the setup? Like, would there have been like NDAs and like just kind of clearance on the filming of that? Ugh. How the fuck did we end up here? Oh yeah, Parate's a Nazi. All right. So wait, I don't know. Is this, is this like a defamation thing? Allegedly. <laughs> no, I'm not saying he's a Nazi. Uh, he just dressed as a Nazi for a party. Now, um, the thing that makes this special is this politician is not as old as this uh, this story would have you believe. He is 40. He's 40 this year. And uh, he revealed that he dressed in the Nazi uniform at his 21st birthday party. So that was 19 years ago. So uh, too soon, still too soon, always inappropriate. But hey, 19 years ago. And his 21st birthday, that is my favorite part of the story. This was not somebody else's birthday. This was him being like, I'm turning 21, the most important birthday out of any of the birthdays in probably any country. Like, I don't know if that's just Australia, America, UK, but I assume everywhere 21 is the big one. 
And he has thrown a party, set the theme as fancy dress, set the fancy dress theme as uniforms, and then wore (laughs) a Nazi uniform. That is so insane. Like, that's almost like he's reverse flowcharted the way to justify putting on his Nazi unit, right? Like, it's not just like, hey, someone else's birthday, last minute fancy dress, ah, fuck, all I've got is this Nazi outfit, don't ask why. (laughs) Let's chuck it on and have a go. It's his party. Presumably, him setting the theme with the idea of wearing the Nazi uniform, right? Like, there's not really any other way to frame that because it's your party, you're setting the theme. Like, did he want to go as a priest, but the costume store ran out and they're like, well, forget the Our Father, we've got the Heil Hitler. After that? (laughs) It's just... And sorry, like, obviously, the other part of this is the logical leap for him being like, I'm not sure if there are any pictures available when it's his 21st birthday party. So, obviously, someone's pointed this out to him, slash, when he became Premier, he was like, oh, shit, I actually do have a little skeleton in the closet. Um, And he's gone to his parents' place and been like, fucking burn everything. You know the photo box, you know the albums, you know the cloud, get rid of it. Um, And then he's asked all his friends to do him the goddamn same favor, I assume, in return for some kind of rezoning slash other political favors you can get from a New South Wales Premier. I don't know what those are. We've already had the Olympics. I don't think you can get tickets to the beach volleyball anymore. But hey, a a little Australia political quid pro quo. But I assume... I assume somebody has either rebuffed that offer or he's got a whisper back to him from somebody saying that, hey, blah, 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 has the picture. They want X. I got to hope it's a blackmail type scenario because the businessman in me is like, if you can blackmail a state politician about something they wore at one point for money, you've got my vote. (laughs) Dude, so I assume that's what's happened. And just, I, the thing I don't get is just the complete, the complete lack of foresight. Because I'm going to put it out there. A lot of careers have been derailed by things that have occurred at parties. A lot of them significantly more unsavory than wearing something incredibly insensitive or offensive. I think everyone's following. So all I can think of is, because look, everyone, I think everyone does a little, luckily in my career, I say things worse than anything anyone can wear. You know, like that's kind of my bit. So I I feel pretty safe. But at the same time, when I heard of Parate, I did my own checklist. I was like theme parties. I went to one where the theme was cryptic fish. Uh, luckily for me, I generally phone in my outfit. So for that one, 
I didn't really have anything apart from the liquor I was planning on drinking. But I did have, and don't ask me why, a plastic shotgun in the boot of my car. Yeah, just a plastic toy shotgun uh, was just lurking there. So I was like, shit, can I manufacture this into any kind of theme? And the person I was bringing was like, hey, what about shooting fish in a barrel? And I was like, you fucking beauty. And that was it. So safe, I believe. Even in the future, if uh, guns uh, become universally acclaimed as heinous, uh, you know, if America finally catches on, um, I don't think I'm getting cancelled for that. Ba-bow. Other than that, what have I got? I, I played a game. I played a game, uh, a university. It's not a university drinking game. I think drinking games are just... Drinking games are basically only participated in by university students because they are still competitive enough to want to turn drinking into some kind of game and uh, they're still useless enough that they can do these things and you know not have it affect their professional lives. Like, let's be honest, university is really easy. Nobody, nobody wants to admit that, but everybody who's been through it comes out the other side and is like, fuck, I don't think it's even possible to fail that. Um, and I did a law degree, so... <laughs> Not even, not even one of the bullshit ones. But I maintain a law degree is just, just an arts degree that's got fucking tickets on itself. Anyway, I went to, I went to that. Um, it was, it was a drink game called Wizards. Now, if you don't have Wizards where you are, I highly recommend it. Great game. Uh, basically, what you do in Wizards is you drink cans of beer, and uh, you drink a can of beer. Then when you finish that one, you tape that one to the bottom of the next can and tape it to the next can and tape it to the next can and you become a wizard when the cans taped together are taller than your head uh, which is obviously uh, quite an elegant way to allow people who are a bit bigger to drink more and people who are a bit smaller to drink less hey responsible service of alcohol so uh, I was I was playing that one time and that this at this particular uh, event of wizards we decided that everyone should dress up as a wizard uh, I went uh, the the different tactic of dressing up as a magician. I dressed up as a creepy magician called David Copperfield, uh, <laughs> which I think I just wrote in tape on my T-shirt, David, Copperf uh, David Copperfield, uh, just a creepy magician. I think I had a trucker hat on. And now having worked in comedy for a while and met professional magicians, they are creepy. So I kind of think about myself as a PSA or public service announcement being like, hey, I'm only dressing as a magician, but if you see anyone who is a magician, you should stay the fuck away from them, even when you're holding an aluminium staff taller than you. That is not, in fact, a long enough pole to keep them away from. Huh? Wouldn't touch them with a six-foot-two pole. That's my height. I became a wizard that night. Uh, so that was another one. Bapow. I think that's fine. Um, another one was uh, a, a dress up as a state of emergency. And hilariously, for that one, I dressed as the Premier Nathan Rees because New South Wales had just had one Premier resign and the next guy was in there for like a minute and then resigned kind of immediately. And then this guy, Nathan Rees, nobody knew who he was. Um, he used to be like a garbage man and just kind of got into politics and he was basically the patsy. He was the canary uh, at the top <laughs> at the top of the company in The Simpsons. And yeah, uh, he became premier 
That was like three days before the party. He was in a state of emergency. I just wore a suit with a name tag that said Nathan Reese. And oh boy, could I recycle that outfit this week uh, for Dominic Perrottet. Same name tag, but instead of that, I just have an empty pack of condoms because this guy's a Catholic and he's got seven kids. For fuck's sake, Dave. Oh, Dave, fuck. For fuck's sake, Dominic. Pull out once in a while. Uh, my good friend Michael Schaefer uh, wrote a tweet saying, now Dominic Perrette has worn a Nazi uniform more times than he's worn a condom. Fucking top shelf, Michael. Loved that tweet all the way to the bank. Uh, but look, to wrap on this, all I have to say is, if you think your life is worth something, if you think you have a future, never go to a dress-up party. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. It is only ever coming back to haunt you. That's what's happening. Just don't take the risk. It is not worth it. You never know what might become offensive down the line. If you are going to get into politics, just be the humorless cunt you will one day become from the beginning. From the absolute beginning. Your constituents don't need to know that you're a sick cunt. The only politician who was cool was Bob Hawke, and that's because he sculled a beer real fast, and then he had to do it every year at the cricket for the rest of his life like Icarus. Wait. Shit. Is Icarus the one who flew too close to the sun? Sisyphus. Icarus flew too close to the sun. Sisyphus had to roll the boulder up and down. That was Bob Hawke with the beer. Don't even fucking worry about it. Take a sec. Check yourself. Say I'm busy that night or turn up being like, oh, I forgot it was a dress up because, hey, you might be a loser on the night wearing a college shirt while someone in a stormtrooper uniform is tuning someone in a nurse uniform. Uh, by the way, Dominic, those are two uniforms <laughs> that you could have worn to the party successfully instead of dressing as a Nazi. Just... This guy is a fucking premier, and even at 21, he didn't have the foresight to think of other possible uniforms. I mean, just watch one Village People video clip, and you'll find five uniforms more appropriate than a fucking Nazi that you can wear to a party. And I know you're thinking, wait, aren't there six people in the, in the Village People? Yeah. Have I told you guys I'm not drinking? I mean, I didn't mean to break it to you. Didn't mean to break it to you that way, but I'm not. I've I've had I've had some time off the alcohol. I have some time back on. December. Uh, I was like, hey, I'll give myself a break. I'll start having some drinks again. I had a few weddings. It was the holidays. You know how it is. Uh, but yeah, the new year back off the goddamn booze and. Let me tell you something about sobriety. It's not dry January. It's not anything like that. It is uh, vaguely to be a healthier person in an attempt to impregnate my wife. That's the long and short of it. Um, but the one thing with the, with the not drinking, and I don't know, I think for Americans, not drinking is a very normal thing. Whereas in Australia, it's still kind of like a, a statement being made, you know? Um, it's kind of like the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan, you know, like a vegetarian, like, oh, yeah, you don't eat meat anymore. Fair enough. No dramas. Whereas a vegan, it's like, OK, they're going to bring this up. Uh, it's going to be pointed. Not that I have an issue with either. I'm just like, hey, you fucking do you. Um, but I think, yes, it's definitely a slightly more powerful statement. 
and I've been back into it. And in the in the summer, oof, would fucking murder for a beer. Uh, or just murder a beer. That seems to be how some people refer to drinking beer. They're fucking murdering it. Good for them. Um, but I've entered the world of alcohol substitutes. Now, <laughs> the weird thing about alcohol substitutes is it seems to be Diet Coke. Like, or Coke, no sugar. Let's be fair. For some reason, Coke, no sugar has overtaken Diet Coke. If you can tell the difference between the taste of Diet Coke and Coke No Sugar, fucking hats off to you. Uh, you should be some kind of sommelier or whatever. They are the same. The only people who I assume can taste the difference between those two things are American. I don't know why, but if I was going to guess a soda connoisseur, it would be America. Um, <laughs> on a side note, just very briefly, uh, my, my wife referred to... Uh, soda water slash carbonated water as crunchy water. And yeah, I think that is a perfect way to describe a carbonated water versus a still water. It's just because it's, it's kind of got a crunch. It's, <laughs> you know how just like sometimes you need that crunch. Like that's kind of what you need to know that you're eating. You need to trick your goddamn head into knowing there's a crunch. I think the soda water is just the crunchy version of water so when you consume it, there's just this innate satisfaction uh, that isn't there um, when you're just drinking a regular water. Crunchy water. I'm going to keep it. I don't mind it. Uh, but I mean, look, I do mind it. I don't like drinking. I'm not one of those people. You know, some people just seem to be like immensely satisfied by a soda water with a fucking lemon wedge in it. They're like, this is the height of sophistication. I'm like, mate, this bloody tastes like nothing. Um, I don't need the crunch. I've never needed the crunch on the water. A nice, a nice smooth water will do me. But I've entered the world of like the substitutes. And yeah, it seems like Diet Coke. Because like initially I was on just regular Coke and I drink like one of those, you know, basically every time I perform. So I'm drinking, you know, six Cokes a week, which just seems unhealthy. Like it's, it's insane that in my head, I genuinely think Coca-Cola is like, a thousand percent less healthy than beer. That's kind of that's kind of where I'm at in my brain. Like that's genuinely how I compute it. Like in my head, I'm like, oh, Dan, you can't have more than one of these. That's crazy. Uh, whereas, like with a beer, I'm like, ah, it's fermented. You know, doesn't have that much sugar. I can have ten to thirteen of these. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I've been on the diet coke. I've never really been a diet coke guy. I still remember. There was this teacher at my primary school called Mr. Worth. He was my housemaster as well. And he was just like, you know those teachers that school was kind of their peak. They just kind of peaked in high school. They were like, you know, captain of the football team, did a ride at school, like, you know, academically, probably got like a girlfriend because they like developed early. And then like they had to leave school and go to university and deal with people whose value system wasn't the same as an all boys private school. So they just found the quickest possible way uh, to get back to school and get back into that fucking scrum of validation. Um, so it was him. And I just, I, I don't know if I'm embellishing this in my head, but I swear to God, he was like in decent shape and whatever, probably in like his forties. 
and he would just go around with like a 1.25 liter diet coke every day like he would just go through that that'd like sit on his desk just 1.25 like that's so much soft drink like that's so much just to be fucking plowing through every day and I've always just kind of had this association with it. I'm like, you don't want to be that fucking loser. Don't be drinking Diet Coke, but I've stopped drinking beer. Fuck, I miss the ease of ordering a drink when you're drinking beer. It's so good. Like someone is drinking with you or you're drinking as part of a larger group. Someone goes to get around. They're like, what do you want? And just like, oh, whatever you're having. Like you're drinking beer. Yeah, whatever you're having. Like it's it's such a great thing to not have to make a decision. I don't think I realize that one of the great joys of that is just not making the decision. It's like, I would like a beer, which beer, uh, whatever you decide. Or if the bartender's there, it's like, ah, that one, just point at whatever. It's all going to be beer. It's all going to be good. But now it's like, I've had one diet Coke. Do I want to drink two diet Cokes and approach Mr. Worth level fucking sweetener? consumption like oh, I, oh, I want to have like a soda water but then I'm just like why am I doing this crunchy water why can't I just have a regular water but if I'm drinking a regular water I'm just like come on I'm out like I'm out and about I just want to just drink a regular water that's like not supporting the business so then like you get like a lemon lime and bitters like apparently that's quite an Australian drink but it's it's like got some bitters in it which are alcoholic but there's fuck all of them and then you put some lemonade in there and some lime Lemon squash, I actually think is the pro move rather than lemonade, but hey, that's just me. And, you know, you're kind of consuming that. But again, like consuming more than one of them, you're like, Jesus Christ, what am I, seven? What am I, seven? And my parents just really being lazy on the whole, hey, you got a bedtime. They're like, fuck it. Sugar him up. We got a long drive home. Let's keep him moving. And then like I helped my friend move the other day and like uh, as part of the thanking me for the move, she was just like, here's some beers. And I'm like, oh, I'm off the beers at the moment. And just the panic, the sheer panic in her eyes being like, oh God, I don't know. I don't know how to reward you anymore. Like I, I had this great system where I was going to give you a four pack of alcohol, which is a fucking great deal, you know, carrying a bit of shit uh, down a car. It was the ultimate move as well. It was Apartment to apartment on the same level of an apartment block. It was a fucking beauty of a move. Straight in, straight out. I got to say, and look, maybe this is a generalization, but with with this move, there was five of us, two, two men, three women with the move. And initially, there was a lot of equality in the move there was like they're trying to lift things we're kind of taking kind of light things that you could kind of get a bunch of and go into the thing and like doing doing some of the putting away but oof i'm gonna say seven to eight minutes in it became pretty gendered you know there was me and the guy moving the chest of drawers the fridge the washing machine the bed frame the mattress and then my wife and his partner moving some cutlery, a couple of books, some bags, the occasional plant provided it was indoor rather than outdoor. Just, just kind of moving it 
while talking, whereas we were moving things while talking about moving things. You know, like 100% of the conversation was about, hey, have you got that? Oh, watch your finger. Look out for that. Whereas they're just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, chitty chatting. Chitty chatting is two people put cutlery away. One to take it out of the old cutlery container, one to put it into the new cutlery container. That seems like double handling. That seems like that seems like John leaning on the broom, you know? It broke down quick initially. They're like, hey, give me give me a give me a bit of the big pot. I can carry a plant. Don't even worry about it. It's 2023, bitch. And then immediately it's like, hey, I know that you guys are, are wrestling with that fridge on the trolley. Um, but I'm gonna take three bottles of wine down and then think about where they could be optimally placed. <laughs> But yeah, it just, it was funny. It was funny to not be able to be given the beers as like a reward for effort. Like, cause yeah, I guess that's the thing. If you gave me four Diet Cokes for helping you move, I'd be like, huh? <laughs> I'd be like, you're a psycho. You don't value this friendship, but a beer, like a beer isn't just a beverage. It's an economic unit. That's really the difference. Just like, hey, can you... Like the amount of deals done in Australia based on somebody buying someone else a case of beer, like not just a single beer, but like a case, like a box of beer, like that's worth this type of role. Like moving is generally worth like a case or like for this one, because it was a close move, it's a six pack, right? But it's like an airport pickup, like a thing, like alcohol is just such, such a well-defined economic unit. And once you're outside of that economy, like they got to figure out other things. Like she, she panicked and ordered pizza. She was, just, she wasn't planning to feed us pizza, but she was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it!" Like this guy's just helped me move. He's, he's done the, he's done the heavy shit as well. Like I can't, I can't just send him on his way with a Doctor Strange Love low calorie soda. <laughs> I had a bash at that. I went. It's, it's like. It's like an aisle of the supermarket gets opened back up to you because I'll be honest, I never really fuck with the soft drink aisle at the supermarket. Like in the soft drink aisle, typically soft drinks, chips, lollies. Like if you're trying to be healthy, which I think is like the supermarket is the thing where you're trying to be healthy, right? You're like, if I don't bring this into my home, then most likely they won't be in my home. Therefore, I won't eat them. It's kind of like a vampire thing. It's like if you get 32 cans of Coca-Cola for like $7 or whatever ridiculously low fucking price it is, they're coming into your house, they're invited in, and you're going to drink them because what? You're just going to fucking leave them sitting there? Don't be silly. But yeah, I was like, there's, there's, I don't know if I'd call it a burgeoning movement but I think certainly in Australia, the idea of like an adult soda, you know? like And obviously adult as an adjective is always tricky because you think about like an adult toy and they don't mean a really complex piece of Lego. They mean a butt plug, you know? So it's like an adult soda. It's like something that someone with an adult's palate could consume like... And you can tell with the branding, like, you know, they got kind of like misting on the bottle and like a nice little texture in the glass and like the font is like silver and white, you know, it's tasteful. It's tasteful this. It's like a service department. That's the kind of color scheme uh, they're trying to put together. And like, it wasn't bad. Like, I definitely agree. Like, 
so much more consumable than a Coca-Cola. I think I drank two of them in the night and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a kid post trick or treating, you know, like post Easter show, just when a kid has had too many lollies. Like it wasn't just that kind of sickeningly sweet flavor in the mouth. But like I don't know how people do it, man. I don't know how people do it long term. I don't know not just long term as in their lives, but like long term of an evening. Like, because if you're on the beers with your friends, you can rock up at four and leave at four and that could be 12 or 24 hours and that's, you're not having a bad time, you know? But like, I don't think I've managed to go more than maybe three hours, four hours in a social setting with a soda. I don't think I, I don't think I can. Like, I just... Because you need to be consuming something because otherwise you're just kind of sitting there, right? So I got to find something. I got to find something that I can just kind of... (laughs) Because if you're on the waters, it's just like you're trying to pass some kind of urine test, you know? Like you're just just like fucking hydrating water, 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 water. And then just going to the bathroom, 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 bathroom. Then water, water, water. And you're like, this is just not how I envisioned a house party in my 30s. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I did appreciate that favor though. I appreciate the I appreciate the one thing I love about a beer favor is that it's like it's not like hey, I'll buy you a beer at the pub or like it's you know, it can be that. I'm not going to say the the contract is always like, you know, here's a takeaway for you. But a lot of the time, it's like, here's a six-pack. You take that home. Enjoy it on your own time. I've taken up enough of your time. I don't need to be there when you consume the beer. A case of beer, it's like, hey, there are 24 beers. It's probably respectful uh, for you to crack one slash offer me one when I drop it off. I'll refuse because I'm a fucking gentleman too. Uh, But this is for you to consume in your own time, in your own home. Like, There's nothing like a favor where someone asks a favor of you and you do it because you like them and you want to be nice to them. And then they're like, Oh man, thank you so much. Um, now to repay you, why don't you and your wife come over to our house and we'll cook you dinner. And you're like, but I just did you a favor. Now, I've got to go to my wife and be like, hey, can you do me a favor? (laughs) I've got a friend who's got a partner. You don't know them very well. But because I did something for them, uh, you now need to do something for me, which is accompany me into into this other social situation. Like for, for taking some of your time, I want to repay you by taking more of your time, but in a more pleasant way. I don't know if that's just me. I don't know if that's just me being my fucking antisocial self again, but I definitely, like, one time, one time, we had what I would argue was the greatest house guest of all time. He kept to himself. He came and chatted when you wanted to chat, and he would just do the dishes. Like, we didn't have a dishwasher. He would just stand by the sink and do the dishes. Whenever there were dishes there, he would just do them. And I was like, mate, you need to do that. And he said, no, please, I find it relaxing. And I was like, fuck, who is this king? 
And then that was enough, by the way. That's that's how to be a great house guest. Just take some tasks away from me and don't make me hang out with you. Oof, two from two. But then, but then, you guys aren't even going to believe. But then, it's like a three-night stay. But then I get an email, not a phone call, not a text, an email, the least imposing on your time form of communication an email from him being like hey thanks so much for having me stay here is a voucher to a restaurant that is absolutely a voucher to a restaurant here i'm cooking you dinner but guess what i'm not cooking it myself i've paid a professional chef to do that for you And guess what? You need to figure out with me when we're all available so you can bring your partner and I can bring my partner. It's like, hey, this is on me. I'm not even going to be in the fucking state anymore, but I want you guys to have a sick dinner. You are welcome. Oh, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone will ever climb that Everest ever again. That for me is just the ultimate repayment because it's like, hey, I'm giving you something. I don't need to be there. You do it whenever you want. I, I won't even know when this has happened. It's not that thing where they give you an object and they turn up to your house and they're like, hey, you're still here? Like, oof, fucking red hot. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I don't know if I'm the psycho for being like someone trying to take me to a thing with them is a horrible debt repay. Is that me or is that everybody? Is everybody like, oh God, another thing. Because I think we could all agree all we want in adult life is to have to do less things. <laughs> Every single opportunity to turn something down is a gift. Take it. Never looked that gift horse in the mouth. Those people who are like, ah, there's plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. No, no, no. There's plenty of time to sleep today. No thanks, I'm busy. Leave me alone. Whew. All right. That that basically brings us to the end of the hour. Look, I'll be honest with you. I really I'm I was so determined to get this thing done. I don't know if the quality is there, but it is almost 2 a.m. in Sydney, and I've just finished or about to finish recording. So hey. When I said it was going to be out on time every week from here on out, I fucking meant it. Uh, Thanks to the people getting in touch. The old John Watkins University have not heard from them. But like any man who enjoys chasing a tail, uh, that is T-A-L-E as opposed to T-A-I-L, I will email again this week. That's right. The crept upon has become the creeper. I have to now somehow solicit this scammer wouldn't it fucking be something if they just were genuinely offering me a gig? <laughs> oh, it would be funny. I think that'd be funnier. I think that'd be funnier than me, you know, somehow getting scammed even though I'm aware of what they're doing. But anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed the solo app. That was because old mate Ben was like, hey, I like it when it's just you talking about stuff. So I'm like, oi, mate, always possible. Um, do find the time if you can to give us a rating, uh, on Apple podcasts or on Spotify or whatever it is. You might listen to this podcast. It's called the Daniel Muggleton podcast. Subscribe. So, you know, when an episode comes out, 
Uh, I this this will probably be the only episode this week, but next week I'll be coming to you live from goddamn Perth with the new show, getting it all started again. I've also got some pretty exciting news coming. If any of you guys are over in the UK, uh, a first time thing happening there. Um, unrelated to John Hopkins University. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out before you think it's a fucking bait and switch. No, no, no. Uh, announcement coming there. I reckon that's it. I've been Daniel Muggleton. Verticoli, take us out. <laughs>